Good morning and welcome to Sunlight Christian Center, located in downtown Orange. Let's join Pastor Joe and the worship service in progress. What is a man? That's a question that every boy is going to ask himself probably a thousand times. When my father passed away, I was seven years old, and the first thing my aunts came to tell me was, now you're the man of the house. Here's a seven-year-old boy who hears, now you're the man of the house. What does he do with that? I didn't even know what that meant. The man of the house. I knew that a man was strong, but I was a kid. And you know something? After 68 years, I could still ask the question, what is a man? And still wonder. Because when I look inside, I still see the boy. How about you? Still there. So what is a man? When God told Joshua in the first chapter of Joshua, he said three times, he said, Joshua, be strong. Why would God tell him to be strong? He was already a warrior. God wasn't talking about going down to the gym and working out. That's not the kind of strength he was talking about. God was telling him to be strong because there were some things that were coming down the road that you're going to need to be really strong to handle. Be a man. Now, what I'd like to talk to you about this morning for a little while is 1 Samuel, the 16th chapter, where God speaks to a man, an old man, Samuel the prophet. And he gives him an assignment that was scary. And from that passage, we learn some things about what it's like to be a man. Now, the Lord said to Samuel, fill your horn with oil and go. I am sending you to Jesse, the Bethlehemite, for I have provided myself a king among his sons. And Samuel said, how can I go if Saul hears it? He will kill me. We need to understand that when God asked Samuel to anoint somebody else to be the next king, while King Saul was still alive, that would have been considered treason, punishable by death. Would God send a prophet on an assignment that was that dangerous? Uh-huh. Yeah. Sometimes God will send us on some dangerous assignments be a man and so Samuel had to go Samuel did what the Lord said and went to Bethlehem as dangerous as the assignment was he went because a man has got to work under pressure it would be nice if we had ideal conditions to live with in life, but very rarely do you find ideal. It's real that we find. And so Samuel goes, even though he knows that he is stepping out of the boundaries of what was considered legal in his day. And so it is with us. A man is somebody who works under pressure. And let, let me explain. The, the God... God makes certain demands on our lives, and society makes certain demands on our lives, and we got to figure out how to maneuver our way through life. 
a man goes out and gets a job and he's also got a family and so when you have a job and a family immediately you have pressures in your life because in order to develop your career it's going to require time and energy but if you want to develop your family it's going to require time and energy and men have a, a difficult time trying to figure out where I'm supposed to be putting my time because I do have to get the bread to bring it to the table, but my family needs me. I, I remember this, this is years ago, uh, Annalise was just a little kid, and uh, her dad was uh, welding and is still in the welding business, and she left a note at his shop that is still up today, years later, and it, and it simply is this, come home early, dad, signed, Annalisa. I want my dad. I know there's pressures out there, and I know you got to do a job, and I know you got to bring home the bacon, and I know, and I know, and I know it's going to take, but I want you home, Dad. There you have a man working under pressure. We all do. And it's a lifelong struggle trying to juggle our time so that we could fulfill all of the obligations. I read this this morning from the internet from President Obama. This is what he says. I have lost count of all the times over the years when the demands of work have taken me from the duties of fatherhood. There were many days out on the campaign trail when I felt my family was a million miles away and I know I was missing moments of my daughter's lives that I'd never get back. It is a loss I will never fully accept. And there you have the demands of life, working under pressure, trying to make it work. There'll be times when you're overloaded. There'll be times when the expectations that are placed on you are a lot higher than you can handle. There will be deadlines that you've got to rush for. And then there are people who talk and depreciate you and will criticize you. And in the meantime, you've got to keep your hand on the throttle, keep doing what you've been called to do. The storm will come, the boat will rock, and might even leak, but you got to snatch up your tie and walk out the door, knowing that you're discouraged, maybe a little disappointed and scared, but you got to do what you got to do, and that's working under pressure. And that's what a man does. By the way, I would like to make uh, mention that the fact that I'm speaking to the men today should not be regarded as just a, a man's message. You know, women, that everything I'm saying today applies to you. But this is Dad's day. So I will address him. I mean, what is it that made George Washington the father of our country? He was a general fighting the Revolutionary War. Out on the Delaware, freezing, ice chunks were floating in the, the river, and his men were ill-supplied. Some of his men didn't even have boots. They wrapped cloth around their feet in order to trudge along with General Washington to come against the British. His supplies were low. It was cold. Some of his men were going A-W-O-L, absent without leave. 
He didn't have the equipment that he needed for the battle that was coming up. And by the time they got across this river, it was really too late to attack, which meant that the enemy had the advantage. They not only outgunned General Washington, but they outmanned him. And he was attacking at the wrong time, but that never changed the focus of attention that George Washington had, and it was to persevere. And that's why we know him today as the father of the country. Because men work under pressure. Look at Jesus. Jesus is a perfect example of working under pressure. He had the high priest plotting against his life. Religious leaders had slipped into his services simply to gather material, evidence that they would use against Jesus, used to trap him. He had disciples that didn't really understand his mission. I don't know how many times he told them that he was going to die and be resurrected on the third day, and the disciples totally missed it. He had one disciple stealing from him. What makes matters worse is Jesus knew who he was and what he was taking. He had to heal people on the Sabbath day, which caused him to get into even more trouble. And all the while he was doing that, he was blessing the people, multiplying the bread, walking on water, touching blind eyes, washing his disciples' feet while all hell was breaking loose because a man works under pressure. And you will. That's what we're called to do. I wish it were different, but that's it. So, so Samuel, the prophet, goes and obeys what it is that the Lord said and goes to Jesse and tells Jesse that one of your sons is going to be anointed the next king of Israel. Naturally, Jesse would say, which one? And Samuel, the prophet, said, I don't know which one. And so Jesse says, well, how would you know which is the one? And Samuel says, when I see him, I'll know. And so Jesse says, well, how about Eliab, my oldest son? How about Eliab? And Samuel looks at Eliab and says, he's the one. And then God speaks to Samuel and says, no, he's not. This is what it says. So it was that he looked at Eliab and said, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or at his physical stature because I have refused him. He was tall, dark, and handsome, just like King Saul. But God was not looking for another King Saul. God is looking at the heart, not the skin. So often what we do is we look at the skin, the skin, the skin. We see, because we can't see the heart. We can only look at what we see. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. He looks at the attitude. He looks at what you can't see with your eye. He looks at a spirit. He looks at willingness. He looks at a servant's heart. And, and, and Samuel has to tell Jesse, I made a mistake. Because he said, Eliab's the one. And then he turns right around and says, no, the one that I said was the one is not the one. And I imagine Jesse would probably say, well, who did you say sent you? A man makes mistakes. I hope that doesn't surprise anybody. But somebody might even think, would a prophet make a mistake? Do fish swim? Anybody can make a mistake. 
Here is Samuel in the course of doing what it is that God wanted him to do, a dangerous assignment, and the process of doing it, he makes a mistake. He says, this man is the anointed one, and God says, no, it's not that man, it's somebody else, and, and, and he has to own up to the fact that he made a mistake and tell Jesse, no, he's not, the, he jumped to conclusions, he just was looking at the outward appearance, and God looks at the heart, and when you make mistakes, and you will, there's not a man here who hasn't. When you do make a mistake, our job is to learn from the mistake. That's where wisdom comes from. Wisdom comes. How do you get wisdom? Make a mistake. You'll see. Step into something you shouldn't have stepped into. You'll discover wisdom. And so we learn from our mistakes because we got to realize whoever we are, if we're men, we are becoming. Life is a process. We're not there yet. I'll tell you, I'm 68 years old. I think by next year when I'm 69, I'll be able to tell you what a man is. I hope. We're in the process. We are becoming day by day and moment by moment. And people will stop to criticize you on your day, but God has plans for what you are becoming. And so often we can get trapped by their criticism of today when God is working. Be patient. God's not finished with me yet. We ought to maybe remind ourselves that every once in a while. And then, then be willing to share the fact that you made mistakes. Our, our children need to know we're not perfect. They already figured it out. We need to let them know why. And so what, what Jesse did is he, he paraded all of his sons. And Jesse called Abinadab, made him pass before Samuel, but he was rejected. And then he sent Shammah and passed by and he was rejected. And, and he sent all of his seven sons to pass before Samuel. And they all were rejected, every single one of them. And now we have a moment, an embarrassing moment. Because after all of Jesse's sons have come and passed by, Jesse is looking at Samuel, and Samuel is looking at Jesse. Samuel is wondering, oh, now what do I do? And Jesse is wondering, now what do we do? And Jesse didn't say anything, but, but Samuel was the one that said, Samuel said, Jesse, are all your young men here? Do you mean to tell me that Jesse totally forgot that he had one more son? Is it possible that a father could dismiss one of his children when he was told that one of your sons is going to be anointed the next king and he just totally missed David? Didn't even bring up his name? Jesse forgot, overlooked, bypassed, skipped over because he was the youngest, he was the last, considered the least. And so that brings me to this important point. A man needs to know how to handle rejection because it will come. Then he said, there remains yet the youngest, and there he is keeping the sheep. I just totally forgot David. I didn't even consider David. I mean, I wasn't even thinking. My own son I overlooked. And a man needs to deal with rejection because it'll come. Do you remember? Do you remember when you were picked last for the game? That was the beginning of learning how to deal with rejection. Now, if you were picked first for the game, I want to say praise God for you. But there are a lot of us that were picked last. There were a couple of times when I wasn't even picked. 
And right there, as a child, you start to learn how to deal with this thing called rejection. Rejection, rejection, that means they don't want me. That's what rejection, they don't want, how do you handle they don't want me? And what about the first time you had asked a girl on a date and she said no? It took all of the courage that you had in the world to even ask her and she said no. And you walked away dealing with this load of bricks in your heart and you had to deal with rejection. It hurts. It hurts when you're picked last or you're not picked at all. It hurts when you go unnoticed, and, and we will. It does not matter what man I am talking to. There will be times when you will go unnoticed, and you will feel like you've been shelved, mothballed, dismissed, dumped, ditched. Can you recover? Because a man will recover. It's not that it won't hurt. It will hurt. But he will recover. He will figure some way to deal with the fact that he was bypassed. He will figure something out to deal with the fact that he was overlooked. And sometimes the choices that you have are not that great. Moses was in the king's palace. He was Pharaoh's almost, they would say, adopted son. Possibly he was the adopted son of Pharaoh. And, and because he messed up royally, he was kicked out and he finds himself in a wilderness somewhere. And so he's got to do something. He was certainly feeling rejection. And he became a shepherd. Sometimes you just got to do, brothers and sisters, listen, you got to do what you got to do because you got to do what you got to do. You got to deal with the fact that you have been sidelined, skipped over. And, and one of the ways of dealing with rejection is simply this. Yes, there will be people who will reject us. I wouldn't even ask for a show of hands because if you didn't show your hands, then I'd have to start preaching on lying. <laughs> we will be rejected. And people will reject. They have no problem letting us know we are rejected. That's okay. Just as long as I never, ever reject myself. I will not reject. And the reason why I will not reject me is because God has accepted me. And I got to keep my mind on the record that says, I am the apple of his eye. How could you reject something that God says is a trophy? So I will not reject me. I got to deal with rejection just as David had to deal with rejection, but I will not reject me. I will not accept rejection. It's a man. It's what a man does. So he sent and brought David in. Now he was ruddy with bright eyes and good looking. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him for this is the one I've chosen. David's choice last. It was a surprise to Jesse, but he's the one that was chosen. All the while that the brothers, and by the way, the brothers had rejected David as well. We'd have to go to another chapter, 17 to 18 chapter, see that. But, he, but David was not only rejected by his father, he was rejected by his brothers. But God received him, accepted him. And so he's, he's the man, he's the man. But the man, the man was a boy. When God called him, he was just a boy. But God saw in the boy 
a man. When I look at me and I see the man, I see the boy. Have you ever done that? You look in the mirror, you know how old you are, but you see the boy. God looked at the boy and he saw a man. But more than that, God saw a man that later we would know as he was a man after God's own heart. David, what an ideal to reach for, to become a man after God's, God's own heart. I want you to notice what it was that made David a man after God's own heart. It, it wasn't because he was perfect. You've already read his history, so you know that, that's not it. It's not his perfection. It wasn't because he was an angel. David was no angel. And it wasn't because he was holy. David was not holy. There were times when he was just a holy terror. So what made him a man after God's own heart? That's interesting because that's, that's been raised by scholars for thousands of years. What made this man a man after God's own heart? This. Despite it all, he kept trusting God. Kept trusting. I want you to see a picture. Jesse and Samuel are at home examining all of his sons. Rejecting all of them. Looking for the next king. David is totally unaware of this because he's out with the sheep. This is what's going on. You want to see what trust looks like? Here's what it looks like. While at home they're negotiating and wrestling with the fact of who's going to become the next king, David is simply out there with his sheep watching the flock, protecting his sheep. If any wild animals come in, he's prepared to deal with them. If a bear comes in, he'll kill it. If a lion comes in, he'll kill it. He was out there with his slingshot, and he was flipping stones at telephone poles. He, that's what David was doing. He was totally unmindful of the fact that there was a drama going on in his home. He was focused in on what he had to do, what his hands found to do. He just simply, he, he was playing his harp out there. He was composing songs of praise to God. I was out there totally oblivious to what was going on at home. Sometimes what we need to do is become totally oblivious to what is going on out there and focus our attention on what's going on up there and start just singing praises to God. And, and, and David started writing music and said, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want him. Make me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear. He's trusting. He's trusting. The heavens declare the glory of God. The earth shows forth his handiwork. And the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. I will bless the Lord at all times. And I will continually praise him with my lips. He's, he's simply praising God. He's totally oblivious to what's going on around him, but he knows what's going on. He's a man after God's own heart. He is in love with God. He messed up big time, but he kept loving God. That's a man. That's what a man is. A man is somebody who will stand at his post and do what it is he was called to. Being a shepherd was no great privilege in that day, by the way. Sometimes we think of Jesus who is the shepherd, the good shepherd, and we think, well, being the shepherd is a special title. But let me tell you something. Being a shepherd was a dirty job. It was at least exalted job. And David was out there with the sheep and the servants taking care of business at home, 
I mean, with, with, the, with the sheep. And Jesse, and Jesse totally missed the potential of David. Never saw it. Which is okay, because later on David would write, he said, though your mother and father reject you, yet I will not reject you, God says. He, he, said, he knows that even your mom and dad may not understand your potential. And how could they understand your potential when your potential came from God? If, if they can make penicillin out of moldy bread, what do you think God can make out of you? God can find something in you that you are not even aware exists, potential. God sees something in you you cannot see. If I brought a piece of coal tar out here, it'd be black, irregular shape, and maybe dusty. And you would let, recognize this, oh yeah, I know what that is, that's for fuel, that's for making a fire, and you'd be right. But you would not be 100% right. Because coal tar is used to make white aspirin. It's used to make sweeteners. It's used to make perfume. And it's used to make paints of every shade and color. We see coal tar. The chemist sees something brilliant. I wonder what it is that God sees in you. Everybody missed David. They never figured he would be the potential for the next king. But he was a man after God's own heart. So the, 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 the statement is be a man. Be a man. A man is somebody who works under pressure. A man is somebody who will deal with re rejection. A man is somebody who will make mistakes and learn from them. A man is someone who is in a place where he can become so trusting in God that God will pull his spirit out. Because the scripture says right after this that the spirit of God came upon David and never left him from that day on. Being a man. Did you know that God could use you? And he can use you now. He's just waiting for somebody to simply come into his presence and say, Lord, here I am. Would you use me? I'm going to ask Nancy to come to the piano. And the only thing we could say, even before we discover what the potential is that we have, we could say this, to God be the glory. I don't even know how you can use me, Lord. I don't know what gifts I have. I do know one thing. God does not make junk. Everything that God makes, God makes with a purpose. Everybody that God created, he created with a purpose. He created you with a purpose. And we can start discovering what that purpose is by simply coming into his presence to God be the glory. I don't understand it all, but I just want to say to God, be the glory. You did something in my life that I could never do myself. And so I want to give you the glory even before I tap into that potential that you've given me. As we sing this chorus, I'm going to open up this altar. 
You've been listening to Pastor Joe at Sunlight Christian Center. We are located in beautiful downtown Orange, just one block north of the Chapman Circle at 172 North Glissell Street. 